Would you pray with me, please? Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still, that we might hear from you. Amen. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So writes the Apostle Paul, speaking of death not as something that happens to us, but rather as a foe to be overcome. In the end, Paul writes, death itself will be defeated, will be undone, will be reversed, and the dead then, he claims, shall rise victorious. It is the triumphal final note of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the last enemy to be destroyed, he writes, is death. This is the third sermon in our sermon series on the intercessory work of the risen Jesus. And today we will focus on the way that Jesus intercedes for us in our moments of deepest bereavement. But the simple truth is this, until such time as death is overcome, the sting of death is lethal now indeed. It's severing power, robbing us of relationship with those whom we love and need and hold most dear. And we know this well as a church family, do we not? In just the past few weeks alone, we have experienced much death here at Boulevard. Emmeline Campbell, Danny McKee, Carol Cook, Miles Roach, Marion Mandrell, folks who were once and for quite some time active participants in the life of this church here just days ago, gone now forever. And this barely even begins to scratch the surface of those precious names from our church family whom death has taken from our membership in the past four years, in the time since I arrived here as pastor. Yes, as we gather today for this coming home celebration, for this day when we remember who we are and whence we've come, as we do, we gather as a family that has experienced a great deal of death indeed. Just as so many of us have experienced a great deal of death in our own personal lives as well. The death of parents and siblings and children and friends. The death of grandparents or grandchildren. Some of these deaths peaceful and expected. Some of them altogether tragic and blindsiding. Yes, altogether so much death. And the particularly pernicious thing about death, perhaps the most vicious part of death's nature, is that the death in question need not be recent, 
for the pain to be every bit as acute as the moment when it happened. No, the insidious power of death allows for death's painful sting to remain ever ready, lurking just underneath the surface. For we can be contentedly living and moving and having our being in the world when all of a sudden something gets said or a sight gets seen or a certain song comes on the radio or a memory flashes to mind and then in that second the pain washes back over us as real and as acute and as devastating as ever before. So yes, we are all fully acquainted with the reality of death. So well acquainted, in fact, that we, when we really stop to think about it, have no trouble at all understanding why Paul refers to death not as something that happens to people, but as a being that must be reckoned with. For death doesn't just happen as if death is something passive and neutral in the world. A brute fact akin to gravity or inertia. No, death doesn't just exist. Death invades. It severs. It tears apart. And then once it does, it never relents. And so yes, Paul is right. Death is indeed an enemy. An enemy so personal that it demands to be personified. And until death is overcome, it is and it will remain, as Paul says, the greatest enemy and the final enemy of all. Now I do indeed happen to believe that such a day will come. I believe that this is precisely what the resurrection of Jesus signifies and portends for us as human beings. That in this man Jesus' death and resurrection, we see a foreshadowing of our own future resurrection on the far side of death. As in Adam all die, so all will be made alive in Christ Jesus. I believe this. I really, really do. But believe this as I may, I don't invite us to reflect on death's pernicious power this morning in order to invoke that glorious day when death will be undone. No, instead, hopeful as such a thought is, I invite us to reflect on death's pernicious power this morning in order to remind us of the most vital resource we have as people of faith for dealing with and for managing death's dreadful sting in the here and now. And by that, I mean intercessory prayer. For the reality is this. If indeed a day is coming when death's power will be stripped away forevermore, today simply is not that day. And thus, in this moment between the already and the not yet, we live lives beset with grief upon grief. Yea, we walk daily through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And we need comfort and solace and strength for it now. And so with that said, let us now hear once more these ancient echoes of solace. These familiar lines that comforted our forefathers and our foremothers in the face of death so many thousands of years ago. I invite you to close your eyes on this coming home Sunday and hear these ancient words fall upon us like cleansing rain. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, there is so much comfort and solace and strength to be derived in these ancient words. And beyond the elevated language and the exquisite imagery that these lines evoke, the reason that these words inspire such comfort and solace and strength in us is because in them we feel assured of divine presence of divine care, of being seen and loved and watched over and worried about. In hearing Psalm 23, we viscerally understand ourselves to be the one walking through the valley of the shadow, the one who has so much need to want. But yet through the power of the language, we feel ourselves in this passage being walked with. Being seen for. Being protected from. Being impervious to. And in so feeling, we exhale. For the brief moment in which these words are being read, we feel ourselves transported and we can breathe. For in hearing Psalm 23, we feel ourselves for the briefest of moments as being held and therefore as being safe. Am I right about that? Well, here's the reason I draw our attention to this fact today. 
if indeed we take seriously the Christian claim that the risen, glorified Christ Jesus, that the carpenter from Nazareth who, having not shrugged off his humanity, but who instead retains his humanity even now in heaven with God, if indeed we take this claim seriously as something more than a metaphor, then what follows from it is this, that there with God, interceding for us in all things, is one of our own. One who knows through his own human experience just how painful death really is. One who over the sight of his own dear friend Lazarus once shed tears of his own on account of death's brutal sting. Yes, if indeed we take seriously this claim, then there with God interceding for us in our grief this very moment is Christ Jesus our risen Lord. Let me tell you a story. I was nine years old when my grandfather passed away. I've spoken before of how much I adored my grandfather, of how he was my hero. And consequently, his death was extremely painful for me. It was the first encounter I'd ever had with death. And here death was playing for keeps, taking from me one of my very favorite people in the entire world. Well, I bring this up this morning to tell you what happened on the afternoon of my grandfather's funeral. That day, a few hours after the funeral service had ended, I had a Little League baseball game. I arrived that day at the ballpark sad, forlorn, typically a talkative and animated child. I was quiet that day. I was withdrawn. Well, my team was standing outside the ball field that day waiting for another game to finish so that we could take the field to begin ours. And as I remember it, I at the time was standing off by myself, staring aimlessly across the ball field, thinking about my grandfather and trying not to cry in front of my friends. When all of a sudden I felt the soft touch of a hand on my shoulder. I looked up to see my baseball coach. A fine man who knew that my grandfather had just died and knew that I was devastated about it. And all he said was, are you okay? And I nodded that I was, even though I wasn't. And he, with his hand on my shoulder, just nodded. And then he proceeded to stand there with me that way for the next several minutes. Well, soon the weight of that sadness lifted from me, and though still devastated, I felt ready to get on with the game. And almost as if sensing this, my coach then took his hand off my shoulder and he softly patted me on the back and he said, all right, let's go get him now. And that was that. 
The game before is finished, and we trotted out on the field, and I played in that ball game, and 32 years have passed since. But still I remember that, Coach. And still I remember that moment. And still I remember the comforting feel of his hand upon my shoulder. And here now, all these years later, is why I tell you that story. I tell you that story because this is what the intercessory power of Christ Jesus' spirit in the world is like. This is a viable picture for us of what it looks like when the fully alive, glorified human Jesus intercedes for us in our grief and our bereavement. This is what it feels like to lift up a bereft prayer to God and in response to experience the comforting touch of the risen shepherd, the one who once shed tears over a loved one's death himself. Yes, to experience the intercessory solace of the risen Savior is to be bereft and forlorn, devastated and overwhelmed, and is then to suddenly feel as if a hand, seemingly coming out of nowhere, comes to rest upon our shoulder. It is to sense that here with us, that right here in the valley of the shadow of death is one who is with us and one who will stay here with us until the most acute part of the pain abates. Yes, to experience bereavement as a person of faith whether we have lost loved ones yesterday or a lifetime ago, is to experience bereavement as those who walk alongside a shepherd who truly can and who truly will and who truly does restoreth our souls. In his letter to the Romans, Paul writes of death that he is persuaded that not even death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I like that language. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. You see, I like that language because Paul can't prove that this is true. Just as I can't prove this is true and you can't prove this is true, nor can anyone on this earth, on this side of the veil, prove that this is true. However, like Paul, I am persuaded that it is. And I am persuaded that it is because of times like this with my old little league coach. Times in my life when I've most needed to be connected to and held by the same divine love that spoke this broken world into being. For all these years later, I have, of course, experienced death sting many more times. I've lost many more loved ones since having lost my grandfather so many years ago. Friends, family, Mentors, colleagues, even that coach, may he rest in peace, has gone forward into that eternal tomorrow. 
And while I do indeed believe that one day this final enemy shall be overcome, and while I do believe that on that day we will all rise eternal, while I do believe that, I am persuaded now that until then, as we continue to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we have nothing to fear. For I am persuaded that our shepherd will continue to intercede for us with hands on our shoulders and with assurances of his presence just when and how we need it the most. So let us not be afraid ever to go before God with our grief and ask for such comfort, trusting that when we need it most, there it will be. For indeed, he does prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemy and for indeed we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because in Christ Jesus we already anticipatorily do talk about a coming home to anticipate indeed and all God's people said amen